WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we're going to talk with actress and author Denise Nicholas. She was 19 in 1964 when she left home here in Michigan to join the Free Southern Theater in Mississippi and Louisiana. That was Freedom Summer, one of the most difficult stretches of the civil rights movement, one of the most violent stretches of the civil rights movement. We will talk with her about her experience there and her experience since she is going to be honored today at the Rooster Tail uh, for uh, an annual Women's History Month Leadership in Action Award. So you're going to want to stay tuned to that interview, really interesting history about the South and about Detroit. Uh, also, remember to go to WDET.org and take our short survey about election coverage. It is an election year here in the state of Michigan. Uh, the governor, attorney general, secretary of state races are all on the ballot, as well as lots of local issues. If you go to WDET.org, you can sort of tell us what you are interested in this election season, and we will try to shape the coverage around what you want to talk about. All right, up first, it's mid-March, and that means cold weather, potholes, spring break, and the best time of the year for a lot of sports fans, the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament March Madness. This year, there are a few reasons for people here in Southeast Michigan to get excited. Both Michigan and Michigan State appear in the tournament. They are both number three seeds. And this year, the first rounds of the Midwest Division of the tournament will be played here in Detroit at Little Caesars Arena. And Michigan State is one of the eight teams that gets to play here in Detroit, which means they will compete in front of a home crowd, a real real boon for teams that are in the tournament. That also means that there will be a lot of visitors to our region, a lot of hype and excitement all getting started today right around noon. But here's a question. How much economic activity do these events really generate? And is it worth the wear and tear of housing tens of thousands of excited and sometimes rowdy fans? We talk a lot about the economic side of sports here on Detroit Today, uh, especially with the arenas that we have, the three arenas that we have, uh, sports venues that we have in downtown Detroit. Uh, what do they give back to the city that helped build those venues? This is a great weekend to consider that. And here to help us discuss that is Bill Shea, who is the enterprise editor covering the business of sports for Cranes Detroit business. Bill, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, thanks for having me, as always. Yeah. Uh, and also, callers, uh, give us an idea of what you think of these kind of high-profile events here in the city. Think of the Super Bowl, which we had in 2005. How important is that to Detroit in the national spotlight? And is that the thing that makes all of this worth it, all of the money that we have spent helping owners build these stadiums, does it come back to us in economic activity from these kinds of events? As always on the phones, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Bill, let's start with how we even begin to measure economic impact of sporting events like this. World Series, Super Bowl, NCAA tournament. Cities compete for some of these events really, really spirited in really spirited ways. I mean, uh, it's a big deal 
that LCA got uh, these tournament games. Uh, I would imagine that uh, the Illages who who uh, operate that facility uh, are pretty excited about it. But how excited should we be as as Detroiters about this? Uh, eight teams coming from uh, mostly other places. Uh, does that does this begin to sort of make it worth it in terms of that that tax subsidy that we put into it? And how do we measure that? Well. Uh, Let's tackle measuring first. The Detroit Sports Commission says there'll be about six and a half million dollars in economic impact for this uh, set of set of games at Little Caesars Arena. Um, you can count me among the, the skeptics of economic impact numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen the methodology behind you know the data, so I don't know how they assemble that yeah, number. Where they get that um, from? <laughs> yeah. So, and like any sort of accounting, there are plenty of tricks and things that you can do to make anything, you know, they can make Star Wars look like it never turned a profit. Um, so, but you know, the truth is, yeah, people will come here and they will spend money. They will rent hotel rooms. They will buy uh, dinner, uh, breakfast. Um, if they if they need sundries, they'll go to CVS. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of that money stays here and, and how much of that money goes to a corporate owner elsewhere? You know, it's it depends, I guess, on your belief in trickle down economics. Yeah. Um. So you know, some people will go to locally owned bars and, and restaurants, and the and those folks will benefit. Um. And, but it's it's uh how much of that is spending from elsewhere mm-hmm. versus um you know uh, Joe Smith from Warren decides to get tickets and come down, and he's spending his money on tickets and beer at Hopcat there instead of. Um, you know, something back in Warren, you know, you're shifting spending around. It's what economic ec- economists call the substitution effect. Yeah. Um, and, and it's really a it's case. It's not really generating new money so yeah. much as it's just it, moving it, it around. Exactly. You know, if somebody had, has a savings account where they have not spent this money for 50 years and all of a sudden they're spending it here in Detroit, that's functionally new spending that mm-hmm. is a net gain. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the wider picture of is is this spending on this and, and all the other stuff, this, this venue and the other sports venues, um, generate does it does it make it worth the tax subsidies? That's really sort of an ideological question, and sure. wherever you fall on the spectrum, if I mean, there's a lot of people who are, consider um, stadiums, arenas to be akin to highways or parks, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and even if they're privately owned or operated, they consider them uh, public recreation, and they're fine with it. Other people find it absolutely aghast that billionaire sports owners here or elsewhere get any sort of subsidy. Um, and, and a lot of people just don't care. They, yeah. they, it's so complex that they're just happy there's a new arena. Um, and there's civic pride to it as well. I mean, Detroit is a major league city. Yeah. It may be only a mid-market media town, um, but it's, it's you know, we have four t- four established pro sports teams yep. that are super famous. All four uh, of them playing right downtown. Yeah, and, and having events like this, I think Detroiters expect to see Super Bowls and All-Star games and I mean we don't get them all the time but you know we should be in the conversation we be competing and, for it. and these are world-class facilities there's no doubt about that and regardless of what you think about how they were paid for these are amongst the best in, on the planet yeah yeah um, when when uh, of course when you welcome that many people uh, to to your city, there's some cost associated with it too. Does that get figured into this uh, these economic impact uh, surveys and 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 things that, uh, for instance, police presence? I would imagine has to be 
uh, enhanced for for that number of people. Uh, you know, there's the potential for you know wear and tear, if not damage, uh, of, of public spaces and things like that from rowdy fans. Uh, that that that's sort of a negative, I guess, or a draw off of what that impact would be. Yeah, I, without seeing the methodology on these specific numbers, I have no idea. I somehow doubt that mo- usually Chamber of Commerce style um, boasting about, hey, uh, we have X event and all of the money in the world will be spent here and all of the jobs will be created are, are usually um, a bit Pollyanna-ish and often don't account for those hidden costs yeah. of damage, especially in, you know, this is a first round, um, you know, if this were a championship game, um, you know, we have seen other cities, major championships, people rioting. Mm-hmm. And what was it, Vancouver a few mm-hmm. years ago? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're flipping, you know, Philadelphia, the Super Bowl, flipping cop cars mm-hmm. and lighting stuff on fire. There's a cost to that. You know, insurance may cover it, but that just means the you know, the public pays for it. Yeah. I, I certainly hope there's no public damage um, from from these events. Um, if Sparty wins out and heads <laughs> on, uh, well, I, hopefully they don't get too crazy downtown it's just, a swig, it's just a win to go to the sweet 16 but you know it, right? the, the one the one thing i do see and i've made this complaint after you know this happens a lot on opening day um you know people come down and even if they're not going to the game they come down they party and they pee in the street and leave their beer cans and cups all over the place mm-hmm. and kind of trash things and you know both public and private have to clean up after that and that's the one thing and that i'm sure that's true in in many cities is visitors come in with no respect for things yeah And there's a cost to that, and that's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Bill Shea, enterprise editor who covers the business of sports at Crane's Detroit Business. We're talking about March Madness gets kicked off here in Detroit at LCA today. Uh, Goes through the weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. Michigan State is one of the teams that gets to play here at LCA. That means they'll be in front of a home crowd. We're talking about what the economic impact is of events like this in cities like Detroit. Think of all the money that we have spent helping owners build new stadiums. Ford Field, Comerica Park, now Little Caesars Arena. What's the return that we get for that money when we have big events like this? The NCAA Tournament, World Series, uh, Super Bowl games. Do they help defray that investment? Do they help pay us back? for the things that uh, we have invested in these things. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. What do you think is the impact? How important is it that Detroit is in the national spotlight for events like this? And uh, is this a real benefit uh, that we get from having these stadiums all right there within a mile of each other in downtown Detroit? The number is always on the phones. It's 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we will work you into the conversation. Let's go to Earl in Royal Oak. Earl, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, good morning, Stephen. Thank yeah. you. Um, I've been involved in a hotel in Dearborn for a little bit now and from our standpoint, we have a ton of rooms. So when we get a big event, we really have to staff up and hire more people there's a lot more wear and tear on the hotel. And then when the event ends, people get laid off, temp people have to go. We're not using it as much. But the reality is when you're getting, you know, 95 bucks a night an average room rate and you go up to over 400, mm-hmm. we're willing to put up a lot of, we're, <laughs> I mean, we're willing to put up with a lot of abuse and wear and tear because that's a huge difference for us. Because that room Those rate, big yeah. events, 
right. Those 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 big events really can make or break us on a month to month basis, and mm. so it's definitely worth it for us. Yeah, uh, I, I'm curious. You you talked about hiring. Uh, and firing for events. I, I wouldn't imagine that something like the first round of tournament games would, would cause that kind of reaction, or, 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 or am I wrong? Is that what's going on at your hotel right now? No, no. It, it's, it's big events like the auto show. Right, okay. You know, we will rip up for weeks before with the auto show. A first round game, I mean, there's a lot of empty seats there, you know, unless State is playing. But right. when you get up there for all-star games, um, you know, for, I don't know, national political conventions. I mean, anything that, that draws a big national group where people are staying, you know, oftentimes in Dearborn, in Ann Arbor, in Warren, I mean, you really have to go far away because there is a, uh, a paucity of, of hotel rooms in yeah. the actual city of Detroit in walking distance for um, these big downtown events. Right. So it is broader than just the downtown area. Yeah, Earl, thanks very much uh, for that info and for the call. Uh, one of the things that he says there is really interesting is that uh, there's sort of a disconnect between the presence of these three big sports venues right within a mile of, of each other in the center of downtown and the availability of hotel rooms. We've, we've seen some places open uh, recently that have helped uh, help address that, but we aren't we aren't building the size, I guess, of uh, hotels that you would expect uh, to try to accommodate the, the the kind of things that we probably should anticipate will happen at those venues. Yeah, I I think you're right. I I think it's a sort of chicken or the egg. Um, you know, we're all very familiar with the Detroit comeback narrative, mm-hmm. um, and the hope is we increasingly get events. Um, that eat up lots of hotel space and time, um, like political conventions, you know, multi-day or even, you know, week-long events on the regular, which means maybe you don't have to have hiring and firing cycles if we're a regular. I mean, we're, we're never going to be New York or, or Los Angeles or, or Miami. We don't have the weather and we don't have the population. Um, but I, I think maybe we'll con- we will continue to get a steady series of things that you know we maybe we need a handful of large hotels yeah. that i mean we have some I mean, the book cadillac was a great success story and there's you know boutique hotels going up but for some of these things you need 5000 rooms yeah. or 10000 rooms right. and we don't have that we don't, we don't really have the kind of convention hotels i guess that uh, you would see mm-hmm. in in other cities that would either be right near Kobo, which is our convention center, or uh, closer to the stadiums, which is which are going to increasingly be, you know, the sites of of, of pretty big events. And I, I guess I'm not sure when we'll get after that. Uh, we've tried several times and not been successful uh, at, at building and maintaining that kind of infrastructure. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, and hotels are a key criteria for getting events for getting um, events that's right you know if, if you want an all-star game there has to be x number of hotels and hotel rooms within a certain short distance of our arntellum of uh, pal sports and the pistons has talked about this publicly and i i know the illiches have plans for a hotel near little caesar's arena at some point in the near future mm-hmm. um but that's not enough i mean we need more but the input for a hotel operator they need to see more events that justify you know having one or two events that book up all your rooms twice a year isn't enough when if you have 
a thousand rooms vacant for 10 months of the year, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the economics don't work. So it's that chicken of the egg type of thing. But I, I think we're getting closer to where you can justify building large hotels. Um, in Detroit. In yeah. downtown, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's go to Tom in northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to Detroit today. You there, Tom? We get a chance to showcase Detroit, mm-hmm. all right? And you get a chance to, you know, um, people get a chance to view one of the gems of the city. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand that, you know, Detroit is more than the 7.2 square miles of downtown. But, you know, people come in here, and I've read the letters to the editor where people have said they've heard these horrible things about Detroit, but when they come here, it's a totally different, you know, thing. Yeah. And also, um, the, the figure I saw in the paper in terms of, uh, I guess, the kind of money that's going to be spent, and I could be wrong, I'm not sure, I heard there was $6.5 million that's going to be, you know, um, reaped or benefited, um, you know, with the the stage of the Final Four coming here. And, you know, but I say this, you know, like you guys were talking about the hotels, you can't necessarily build hotels just for that, for these kinds of things. But, I mean, you know, if you, as many of them as you can get, bring them here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think a lot of people feel that way, Tom. Uh, that 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 six point five million dollar number, there it is again, uh, and and you know I, I think we'd all love if that was is it was the was the number that we would actually uh, be able to say is the benefit from this thing. You we just I think don't don't necessarily know. Uh, Bill, I want to ask you about LCA more generally. Uh, when it opened last fall, um, there was there was talk about uh, empty seats, the, the the lack of enthusiasm for the two teams that play there regularly because they aren't that great. Um, where are we now as those two teams get to the to the end of their of their first season? There uh, are, are they doing better uh, in terms of uh, in terms of attendance? And and also, I want to ask you about the the financing for. The stadium. There was some news about the Illiches paying off some of that financing early uh, a couple months ago. Um, and is that good news for the city? Is that good news for them? Uh, let's talk about what is going on at LCA. Uh, you know, the Pistons saw a little bit of a bump after the the Blake Griffin trade. Um, they're just not very good. Um, and you know, Stan Van Gundy's future is in question. Yeah. Um, you know, is it another? You know, can you even blow it up at this point? Um, and, and fans, when the Pistons are good, the fans will go to wherever they're they playing and they will sell out the arena. There's no question. Um, you know, it, it's not an arena question. It, these are team questions. Um, fans have stuck by the Red Wings because there is a, a generation plus history of greatness. Um, they are not great now. There are questions about, um, you know, the, the vision uh, for getting them back on track. Um where the Illich is going to go with what what has been a staple of professional sports greatness for 25 plus years, they're they're not good. Um, but fans still come. I think they still list every game as a, as a sellout because I I you know their season <laughs> ticket base is huge. Yeah. Um. You know, but everybody has seen the pictures. There, these are not full. Um. These are not full arena game nights. Um. Uh, you know, uh, the concerts are generally full, um, but the, the venue itself has no control over that. I mean, it's, it is a great venue. It is 
you know, Detroit should be very proud of, you know, we certainly paid for some of it, um, but, you know, they didn't scrimp on anything. These right. are really, it's a really nice building um, and it will be for a long time. Um, so, yeah, it's just a matter of time. If Pistons wings start playing well and make the playoffs and win again, uh, you know, the, seats will, the, the will place will in. be overflowing with fans, which is, you know, if you're a downtown business owner, it's a great thing because they'll people will be spending money down here um, instead of elsewhere. Um, yeah. As for the Illiches, yeah, it was several months ago. Um, they uh, the series of bonds uh, that they were responsible. There was two sets of bonds: a public set and a private set that uh, the Illiches Olympia Entertainment was going to pay off with um, about twelve million bucks a year. Uh, over uh, 40 years, I want to say, um, for the construction costs. The mm -hmm. Illiches opted to pay off their set of private um, uh, taxable construction bonds early. Um, and It's on their books. Um, I mean, they were always on their books, but they're they're paid off yeah. functionally. They have the money to do that. They did it. Um, the uh, the DDA set of bonds is still out there, yeah. and they are retired from the the tax, um, the special tax that's primarily levied on downtown uh, property owners. So GM, Olympia, Dan Gilbert, they're the ones that basically foot the the cost of the the public portion, which I think was two hundred fifty million dollars. For that facility and the infrastructure around it, um, so that's and, and and that takes us to the case of when you're talking about the ethics of funding right. with public money. Right. Um, this this really it's not on the backs of homeowners in Detroit, which stadiums a lot of them elsewhere. It's your property taxes right. are paying for them. In this case, um, it's a tiff. That, it's uh, yeah. It's you know th there is a, an arc of of. of I guess tolerance people have for financing things. Your average Detroiter is not paying um, for that building. It's the big businesses that are paying. And I guess if you're gonna have to, do, if somebody has a gun to your head and says the taxpayers way. are doing this, well, I'd rather have GM pay for it than yeah. than you know people, the people of Detroit. Yeah. So you know it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to the phones here, Charlie in Royal Oak. Charlie, welcome to Detroit today. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So my question is this, as a loyal, you know, wing season ticket holder and all that for many years, um, I love the new arena. It's great. But, you know, I'm paying more money for season tickets for a team that's doing worse. And <laughs> I'm wondering, did the villages cheap out on the team in favor of the arena? And, <laughs> you know, is it fair to Blashill to blame it all on him? <laughs> that's a great that's a great question, Charlie. I think a lot of fans are wondering about that too uh you know where is the money going is it into, is it into stadiums instead of uh teams talk about how that that part of the business works bill the 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 infrastructure side versus the the playing field side they're but, not really related are no, they? no there's um you know the the construction of the the venue was funded um, through their Olympia development and Olympia entertainment businesses. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all the Illich family's money. It's right. whatever checking account, various things get their revenue deposited into and their expenses paid out of. Um, you know, the NHL has a salary cap that they have to play within. And it is a question of, is Ken Holland making the right personnel decisions? Is Jeff Blaschel making the right on ice tactical personnel usage decisions. There's a lot of debate 
about that. There's a lot of very unhappy fans. And after 25 years in making the playoffs and four Stanley Cups, fans have a right to say, hey, what the heck is going on? And the timing of this was so poor that you left the Joe, you know, and you didn't make the playoffs and you move into your new building and you didn't like you, you, and it's really hard to do, but you want to move into your new building as your cycle is at its peak. Yeah. Like the Indians in the early 90s opened up Jacobs Field and they were mm-hmm. poised to be a World Series team and it was a storybook thing. Um, that's the template you want to have. Is it easy to do? No, it is not. Yeah. Um, uh, how long Blashill and, and Holland are around, um, I don't know. But it, it is it, that's a separate issue. They're not scrimping on paying for anything because of – um, because of the arena, yeah, and, now, and and that's off the books now too. They they paid yeah. off their portion of the debt, right? That's right. Um, you know, w- one of the things that I think is really interesting about that dynamic too is the current impatience of fans with teams. So, as you point out, the Red Wings made the playoffs twenty five years in a row. We got four Stanley Cups out of it. Uh, you know, I grew up here uh, in the seventies and eighties when that team. Wasn't all that great, and the was dead, sort dead of things. the dead things, right? Uh, and and seemed after you know the Illages got involved, seemed headed towards something great. And we had that, you know, we got it. We we were at the pinnacle, really, of the of the sport. The idea that you would always be there, the idea that you would always just win, uh, and that there wouldn't be hard times is, is it's a weird dynamic in sports now, and it's not just hockey, obviously. I mean, baseball, basketball, football. Uh, college football in particular, I feel like, has become this, this uh, we want everything right now. Sports just doesn't work. I mean, put the money aside for a second. Sports doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. Why do we think that uh, they should always win? Well, you know, when you, there, there is an entire generation, there, there are people in their mid-20s that have never known the Red Wings to be anything but a playoff team right. until the last two years. Um, so you're, they're, you know, people are privileged in that sense. It's literally the, the like the sun rising and setting. The Red Wings went to the playoffs right. and often <laughs> often won the championship. We got spoiled. <laughs> um, and on the flip side, you have a football team that has won one playoff game since the Eisenhower administration. <laughs> um, uh, so you know, it's it's feast or famine. It it seems to be. Um, you know, I'm I'm a Browns fan. I've seen my team win four playoff games. Three of them were in the 80s. One in 1990, uh, January of 1995. I was 19 years old, um, and they've been miserable ever since. Um, so th- there's the flip side to that as well. Whereas in for most teams, it's a little the the cyclical nature is a little shorter. You win a lot. You you lose for a while. You hopefully win again. It depends on the the you know the owner in the front office and luck. A lot of times, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it will change for both of these teams again. They will they will win championships good again. again. Yeah. The Lions will win a Super Bowl. Um, before Someday. before the the sun explodes and you know and ends humanity, um, I think, and I even the Browns will win a Super Bowl at some point. Hopefully, while I'm still uh, above Earth, <laughs> right? I hope I'll, I hope that the, the Browns win sometime around the time that the Lions win. I feel like uh, there's some sort of connection between Browns Lions uh, Super Bowl, yeah, right? It's, it's oh, two of that, the, would be, that would be heartbreaking the, though for whatever team didn't win it. <laughs> it's right? two of the four horsemen, I think. In that case, <laughs> that's right. Uh, okay, uh, Bill Shea, Enterprise Editor, who covers the business of sports. For Grains Detroit Business, as always, thanks for being here on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me.
Up next, we're going to talk with artist and civil rights activist Denise Nicholas about her career. Don't forget, if you miss any of today's conversation, you don't have to miss out entirely. You can go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen whenever you are ready. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. Detroit Today.